Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a Black Cherry White Claw. What about you? I am drinking a wine cooler, and on this week's episode, we are going to continue our conversation around the British royal family. Last week, we discussed the death of Princess Diana, and now we are going to turn our attention to her youngest son, Prince Harry. In January 2020, Prince Harry and his wife, retired American actress Meghan Markle, stepped down as working members of the British royal family. This news shocked the world, but as more information comes out surrounding their departure, the more people understand why it happened. To give you some background, Meghan and Harry began their relationship in June of 2016 and had their first public appearance together in September of 2017 at the Invictus Games, which Harry co-founded. In November, the prince directed his communications secretary to release a statement on his behalf to express personal concern about pejorative and false comments made about his girlfriend by mainstream media and internet trolls. This was the beginning of the very harsh treatment that Meghan became subject to, especially from the British tabloids. Meghan Markle's engagement to Prince Harry was announced on November 27, 2017 by Harry's father, Charles, Prince of Wales. After the announcement, Markle retired from Acton and began the lengthy process to become a UK citizen. After becoming engaged, Markle's first official public appearance with Prince Harry was at the World AIDS Day walkabout in Nottingham on December 1, 2017. In preparation for the wedding, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, baptized Markle and confirmed her into the Church of England on March 6, 2018. The marriage ceremony was held on May 19, 2018 at St. George Chapel, Windsor Castle. Just before the wedding, Harry was given the title of Duke of Sussex. After the wedding, the Duke and Duchess lived at Nottingham Cottage on the grounds of Kensington Palace in London. They later moved to Frogmore Cottage in the home park of Windsor Castle. They welcomed their first child, Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor, on May 6, 2019. They decided to title him Master with the goal of Archie growing up as a private citizen. In January 2020, Meghan and Harry returned to the UK from a vacation in Canada and announced that they were stepping back from their role as senior members of the royal family and would balance their time between the United Kingdom and North America. A statement released by the palace confirmed that the Duke and Duchess were to become financially independent and cease to represent the Queen. The couple would retain their his and her Royal Highness stylings, but not be permitted to use them. It was confirmed on February 21st, 2020, that quote Sussex Royal would not be used as a brand name for the couple following their step back from public life as working royals. The formal role of the Duke and Duchess was subject to a 12-month review period ending in March 2021. After this formal review period, Harry and Meghan officially ceased being senior members of the royal family. They were removed from all patronages and military appointments. In July of 2020, the pair bought a $14.65 million mansion in Montecito, California, according to the Los Angeles Times.
Meghan has had a toxic relationship with the British media similar to their treatment of Prince William's wife, Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge. The biggest difference being the racial undertones that littered any coverage of Meghan. At the beginning of the tour of Southern African countries in September and October 2019, it emerged that Meghan was suing the Mail on Sunday and Mail Online for alleged breach of privacy, infringement of copyright, and breach of the Data Protection Act 2018 over the publication of a letter she had sent to her father. She subsequently received support from more than 70 female members of parliament from different parties who in an open letter condemned the use of, quote, outdated colonial undertones, end quote, against her in some national media outlets. Although Meghan lost the first round in the High Court of Justice case with the Daily Mail and was ordered to pay legal costs on a preliminary matter, the High Court granted summary judgment in her favor in February 2021 finding the news organization invaded her privacy. On March 2nd, the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday were ordered to pay Megan 90% of her estimated $1.88 million legal expenses. On March 5th, the Mail on Sunday was ordered by a high court judge to publish a front page statement about Megan's victory in her case against the paper, and Mail Online was instructed to have the statement on its homepage for a week. However, the statement is temporarily on hold as Associated Newspapers have been granted a stay until April 6th to submit a court of appeal against the judgment. In March 2020, the couple took Splash UK to court after Meghan and her son were photographed without permission during a, quote, private family outing, end quote, while staying in Canada. The case was settled later that year with Splash UK agreeing to no longer take unauthorized photos of the family. In July 2020, Megan jointly launched legal action with her husband against an unidentified individual for taking pictures of their son in Los Angeles. American news agency X-17 issued an apology. It also agreed to reimburse some of the other parties' legal fees, hand over photos on hand, destroy any copies in its possession, and cease distribution of the images. In March 2021, a mutual report by Byline Investigates BBC, and the New York Times revealed that the son hired an American private investigator who unlawfully handed over personal details about Megan to the tabloid, including her social security number, cell phone number, and address when she first started dating Harry in 2016. Megan and her husband condemned the quote-unquote predatory practices in the British tabloids, while the son stated the investigator, quote, was instructed clearly in writing to act lawfully, end quote, and they did not, quote, use the information he provided for any unlawful practice, end quote. In March 2021, the Times reported that a bullying complaint was made during Meghan's tenure as a working royal by her press secretary, Jason Knott, which claimed that her conduct had caused two personal assistants to quit their positions in the royal household, and had undermined the morale of a third employee. The concerns were allegedly further communicated to Simon Case, Prince William's private secretary, to encourage Buckingham Palace to protect staff. The Telegraph also reported that Meghan argued with staff over suggestions that it would be a breach of royal protocol for her to keep free clothes that had been sent to her by leading designers. The following day, Buckingham Palace announced an investigation into the claims of workplace bullying, which reportedly would be talking to at least five people allegedly affected by Meghan's conduct. 
The British tabloids ran numerous stories targeting Meghan from everything from breaching royal protocols to endorsing murder through the consumption of avocado toast. They also accused her of supporting the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, when she unknowingly received a gift from him, which turned out to not be her personal property, but actually property of the crown. So all of these events and stories bring us to the sit-down interview that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle did with Oprah Winfrey. This interview was broadcast by CBS on March 7, 2021. Meghan and Harry were not paid for this interview, and CBS brought the rights from Harpo Productions for 7 to $8 million, and they charged advertisers around $325,000 for 30-second ad spots. A lot was revealed in that interview, and we are going to discuss the major points. Number one, although Megan said that she knew some things about the royal family discussion of them was not regular when she was growing up, she commented on being naive before entering the royal family. She stated that she did not do her own research, as she believed Harry would tell her the things that she needed to know. This is contradicted by a 2014 blog where Megan wrote, quote, grown women seem to retain this childhood fantasy. Just look at the pomp and circumstance surrounding the royal wedding and endless conversation about Princess Kate, end quote. Number two, Megan claimed that a reported incident of making her sister-in-law, Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, cry was actually misreported and that in fact Catherine had made her cry about flower girl dresses. She stated that Catherine had apologized about it afterwards, sending her a note and flowers. Megan also criticized the institution for knowing the truth about these events but not showing any effort to correct the story. There are conflicting narratives about this incident and we will probably never know what truly happened, especially since only one side is and can discuss the details. Number three, Megan stated that she and Harry had a wedding ceremony three days before the televised wedding. The earlier exchange of vows was not an official religious or legally recognized marriage. A spokesperson for the couple clarified after the interview that, quote, the couple exchanged personal vows a few days before their official or legal wedding on May 19th, end quote. Number four, Megan said that when she was pregnant with her and Harry's son, Archie, she was told that the palace would not give the baby the title of prince, nor would he receive personal security. She believed that this was attributable to her son's mixed ethnicity and worried about a lack of security for him. For clarification, under both the Royal Secession Act of 1772 and the 2013 Secession to the Crown Act, Archie is not entitled to a princely title. The title of prince is reserved for the children of the monarch, grandchildren of the monarch, and the children of the eldest son of the Prince of Wales, which is Prince William. This means that Archie could receive the title of prince once his grandfather, Prince Charles, ascends to the throne as predicted. Another thing to consider is that in accordance with Harry and Meghan's wishes, Archie did not receive any of Harry's subsidiary titles. Number five, 
Harry said that he had a private discussion with an unnamed member of the royal family during Meghan's pregnancy about, quote, how dark, end quote, Archie's skin would be. However, when later pressed for greater details, Harry said that he is, quote, never going to share more, end quote, about that conversation. A royal author, Lady Colleen Campbell, claims the royal in question is Princess Anne, the queen's only daughter. She claims the conversation wasn't about skin color, but about whether Meghan would fit into the royal lifestyle. Campbell stated, quote, Princess Anne was rightly concerned that if the marriage proceeded and there were children, there would be a huge problem, not because of Meghan's color, but because of Meghan's inability and determination to remain unable to appreciate the cultural differences and to actually have respect for the institution into which she was going to marry, end quote. Number six, Meghan discussed contemplating suicide by saying, quote, I did not want to be alive anymore, end quote. She said she had gone to several senior palace officials to seek help or be checked into a hospital, but was told that would not be good as a public image. She added that one of the people she reached out to during that period and has remained in contact with was a best friend of Harry's mother, Diana, Princess of Wales. Number seven, Megan discussed feeling trapped telling Winfrey that her driver's license, passport, and credit cards had been taken from her prior to her wedding and had been made unavailable to her. Royal and security experts have explained that this is routine. We have seen the same thing in America with presidents, even former presidents being unable to drive on their own due to the security risks involved. Other reasons stated were the national security protections needed for documents related to the royal family. Royal experts add that these documents would be made available upon request, which is what happened when Harry and Meghan left the United Kingdom in 2020. Number eight, in response to Winfrey's question about whether he would have left the monarchy if not for Meghan, Harry said that he would not have. Meghan had opened his eyes as to how trapped he was inside the quote-unquote institution into which he had been born. Harry said that there was a period of unspecified duration in which his father, Prince Charles, would not return his phone calls and he felt, quote, really let down, end quote. Harry also expressed affection for his older brother, Prince William, but stated, quote, we are on different paths, end quote. Number nine, Harry said that he and Meghan had not initially planned to make commercial deals like those which they had forged with Netflix and Spotify but that they needed to make arrangements for their safety after the royal family refused them further security protection, then cut off financial support in early 2020. The couple later revealed that after royal security ceased, Tyler Perry provided them with a secure house in Beverly Hills until they were able to make an alternative plan. Harry added that he was able to provide for the family with inherited money from his mother and great-grandmother, the Queen Mother Elizabeth I. It was later reported that this amount was approximately $25 million. And finally, number 10, Meghan stated that she barely knew her half-sister, Samantha Markle, and questioned her credibility for writing a tell-all book. Meghan said she grew up as an only child and hadn't seen Samantha in over two decades. She added that her half-sister had changed her surname back to Markle only after realizing that she was dating Harry. There is some conflicting information on this. Samantha provided some pictures of her and Meghan together throughout their life, including at Samantha's college graduation. 
As for the name change, Samantha has proof that she petitioned for a name change in 1997, and her college degree has Markle on it, which was in 2008, well before Meghan and Harry's relationship. So Jenny, a lot was said in that interview about Meghan's relationship with the royal family. Do you believe the claims that Meghan and Harry made during that interview? I do believe a majority of the claims. It's clear that the royal family holds on to a tradition and does not change or it doesn't change easily and doesn't necessarily look kindly to outsiders. And to me, Meghan seems like a very independent person that isn't afraid to ask questions and go against tradition. And I can see that rubbing the royal family and the firm the wrong way, which is why she was treated poorly, whether it be family members, people that worked inside the palaces, anything like that. I understand why it would become too much for her to handle and why she assumed Harry would keep her up to speed as things progressed, because honestly, that's probably what I would expect if I was in her position. I don't really know if I would be Googling Harry and royal family protocol. Most outsiders, like I'm saying, and people that live in other countries without royalty wouldn't know what to expect. And I think even if you do, you might not know all of the ins and outs. I think some of what she's saying mirrors things that we've heard about Diana's life, particularly struggling with mental health and not being shown compassion and also feeling trapped and lonely inside this bubble. And it also makes sense to me that Harry wouldn't question things until he did meet Meghan because of her personality, and that was really all he knew. This was normal for him. And some people, including the media, say that Meghan is manipulating him, which I really do not think is fair to say. He's a fully grown man. He can change his feelings and thoughts on things. I will say some issues that they have, I can see maybe just being an issue of how someone is interpreting them and maybe misinterpretation. The Kate and Megan thing, we obviously don't know what happened, but you know, I guess I'll play devil's advocate and just say weddings are a very high stress time. So I can see maybe Megan just being very upset and that's why she cried. I hope that Kate didn't say anything awful, but if Megan's telling the truth, it seems like she did apologize and handled things appropriately. And like Megan said, everything is cleared up between them. But I really sympathize with Harry and Meghan regardless, and I'm not surprised to hear racist accusations coming from within the royal family since the monarchy has thrived on colonialism and they're an old white wealthy family, essentially. Again, image and tradition are what this family seems to really need to feel stable and anything foreign is bound to be questioned. And Meghan was a mixed-race American divorcee. So all of those things are controversial on many different planes, even though we're living in the 21st century. And a lot of people have friends and family that they wouldn't consider racist, but then something happens, maybe some casual racism that came out of nowhere, and then you start to think otherwise. And I think Harry probably felt that cognitive dissonance and shock that comes with viewing people in one way and then hearing something that doesn't add up to how you view them. I do also largely believe what they had to say about the media. It seems like time and again we've said that the British tabloids are essentially evil. They'll go to every length to do whatever they can to get a story. 
And the more I learn, the less surprised I am by these types of accusations. They'll fabricate anything for a headline and do what they want to get what they want. And we've seen similar things with other cases, including the Amanda Knox case. I know that people get really annoyed with Megan and think she should have known what she was getting into, which I do agree with to an extent. But I don't think you can ever really imagine what life as a royal is like until you're in it. And you can't know how it will affect you emotionally until you're experiencing it firsthand. And Harry and Meghan talked about this lack of support the whole time. Maybe they could have handled this better if they did feel supported by their family. I've seen a lot of people on social media talk about how millennials and younger people don't really want to put up with their family's lies and secrets anymore and they all cut people out and not really feel bad about it. This whole situation with Meghan and Harry really makes me think of that. Not that they're cutting all of these people out for good necessarily, but that they needed to take a step back. And I feel awful for what they've had to go through, at least with the media and the public and It seems like they're happier now, so I'm happy for them. I'm not their biggest fans, but I don't like seeing people suffer like that and being be so upset. Finally, I can see why people are annoyed with them doing this interview when they want to stay private and, you know, the media is so bad, the media did this and that. But I think the real point is that they got to speak their truth and take control of the narrative like we said, Diana tried to do multiple times throughout her life. So I'm sure it was pretty uh, cathartic for them. What about you, Del? I know it's a lot to take in. Yeah, this interview was something that I wasn't too surprised about. I know that one thing that Harry has always wanted to do was be his own person and be his own man. And he was literally born into a subordinate role to his brother. And as they got older and Prince William started really settling into his future role as king, I think that that relationship eroded and Harry was looking for someone else that he could rely on like he had relied on his brother. And I think that's what he found in Megan. And when it comes to how the royal family handles mental health incidents, They do not have a good track record. So I definitely agree uh, with people that say that Megan didn't get support in that aspect of her life, similar to how Diana didn't get support in that aspect of her life. But that's really where I stop support of what was said in this interview. There was a lot of things where I felt like they took something that was a very minor issue or something that had a very realistic explanation and they exploded it into this big deal because they were taking advantage of the fact that many people, especially their audience, which is Americans, did not really understand the inner workings of the British royal family and how things function. I don't think that their audience was the British public because they were going against the institution. They were going against the royal family. And the royal family is Queen Elizabeth II, and she is very popular. And even throughout this whole ordeal, her popularity has not waned. So I think they did this interview to make sure that they had the American public, the American media, on their side. 
And when it comes to the specific claims that were made, a lot of them were just patently false. Like when she tried to claim that her half-sister only changed her name to take advantage of the fact that she was with Harry. Like, why would you even, one, say that about another person? And two, why would you say something that was so easily verified as being false? Like, what was the actual purpose of that? And when they tried to say that they were essentially being held hostage because they didn't have their passport, but when they wanted to leave the United Kingdom, they didn't have any trouble with this. And finally, when they are claiming that the British royal family is racist, I do not think that the royal family is racist. I think that, yes, they hold on to traditions tighter than most people do. I definitely think that they have a air of superiority because of the type of family they are. But I don't think that they targeted Megan for discrimination and hate because she is mixed race. I think that she was a disruptor and they do not like disruption. They do not like someone who is going to come in and not want to be a full part of the family. And it seemed like from the beginning, Megan wanted things her way. And I don't think that Megan gives the royal family enough credit for the things that they did for her, that quite frankly, they did not do for Catherine, despite Catherine coming into the family in a higher position. For example, when it comes to the traditional Christmas service that the royal family has, Typically, that is reserved for only members. If you're the girlfriend, you cannot come. And that was the case for Catherine throughout her relationship with William. However, for Megan, that was changed. Megan, during the interview, tried to claim that people kept comparing her to Catherine and she didn't like it because the weighty Katie thing wasn't as bad. How can you say that? I'm not saying that Prince William being a commitment phobe and keeping Catherine waiting for so long is equal to some of the vile racism that Megan was subject to. But I don't think that you have to diminish the experience of someone else to make the claims about yourself higher. So while I don't think the British royal family is racist, I absolutely believe that the British tabloids exhibited blatant racism when it came to coverage of Megan. I think it was clear. I think it was evident. I think it was persistent. I think that they saw her in a negative light simply because she was the half-black girlfriend of Prince Harry, and they wanted Prince Harry to be with the litany of other white women that he had been with before. And when he didn't, I think that they felt that that was a personal slight against them, and they unleashed a unholy campaign of hell against Megan, for which I don't think that they have really had to pay for. So all in all, while I definitely was not surprised by the interview, I definitely am disappointed that the interview has caused an even greater rift in the relationship that Prince Harry has with the rest of his family. And I hope that there is a chance to mend it. And I hope that as they welcome their beautiful baby girl into the world, that will be another chance for the royal family to come back together, even if Harry and Meghan don't return as working members. I really hope so too, Del. It's, it's definitely sad seeing 
everything Harry's been through and to know now that he does have, you know, some issues with his family. It's sad and I do wish him the best. In my research for this, I have seen a few people mention that the royal family doesn't feel like one unified royal family anymore. It feels like Harry and Meghan and William and Kate and then Prince Charles and Camilla. They're not a cohesive family unit, I guess you could say. And I think you do bring up really good points with the fact that Harry and Meghan were, I guess, talking to more of an American audience. And you're absolutely right to the average American hearing all of these strict royal rules is really shocking. And you definitely think like, no wonder they feel trapped. No wonder, you know, they were so depressed and lonely. So I do think maybe that was a bit sensationalized. Again, as an outsider American, all of that stuff probably was very shocking to Megan. And I think it's understandable why, you know, a few years later, she would still feel uncomfortable with it. And like she lost all of her independence and privacy. It's not something you're raised in. You can't expect someone to get used to all of that overnight. But then there are some counter arguments like you brought up. And I think it is kind of ridiculous with her and her sister. It definitely seems like they don't have a good close relationship, which I totally understand. I do believe that they probably haven't seen each other. You know, maybe she was just saying like, oh, I haven't seen you in 20 years. That's just an expression. That's how people talk. I think that could be a bit of a hyperbolic statement. And you can also, you know, have seen someone in those 20 years, but, you know, all you said was, hi, how are you doing? Are things good? And that's really no relationship to have with someone. I think that there obviously is more to the story with Megan and her half-siblings and her dad, too, that, you know, it's their private life. We don't need to get into why they don't talk because it seems like it's been more of a long-standing thing. As for the racism in the royal family, I will say they could be racist and not even really know that they're being racist. Like we're saying the casual racism, bringing up someone's hair or their skin color, or you're very well-spoken, something of that nature. I want to know your thoughts. What do you think of them signing up for like the streaming platforms and Netflix and Disney stuff and whatever they're doing on Spotify? I'm perfectly fine with them launching into commercial careers. I know that people have been really critical of it, but I think that when they stepped away from life as working royals, they said that they wanted to be financially independent. And I think that it's weird that people were assuming that that was going to mean that they were just going to be living off inheritance for the rest of their lives. They have a very marketable brand. And they have a very marketable story. And so I hope that as they are working with these companies, that they're doing it to continue to promote their charitable endeavors, which it definitely seems like they are. A lot of their commercial deals have been tied to the Archie Well Foundation that they founded. I feel pretty much the same. I will say at first, I was kind of like, ew, why are they going to go and do that? But they need to be doing something if they're not really going to bring in 
money from being royals or however that really works. And I know that Harry has said that he wants to make enough so that he can protect his family. And it definitely seems like they do need protection, just knowing the amount of backlash they've gotten. And we gave multiple examples of photographers riddling through their trash and getting all of this private information from them. So clearly something needs to be done for them to feel safe, which I totally support. Even before they were together, both Harry and Meghan were very charitable people that were interested in making the world a truly better place. So it's good to see that they'll still be able to promote that. And I think it goes to show what kind of people they are. Even when they don't have that title anymore, they are still going to be working on something that they're passionate about. Absolutely. I don't think that anyone with a heart can question the character of Harry and Meghan. And while I do think that the interview was ill-informed and ill-advised, I do believe that they are truly trying to find a way to give back to the world in the frame of Diana, Princess of Wales. And they're just doing that in a different way outside of official royal life. A lot of people have started asking the question, should we, being the United Kingdom and the rest of the Commonwealth, abolish the monarchy? What are your thoughts on this, Jenny? I have to preface this by saying this is definitely a topic I was not familiar with before I started looking into it recently. But with that being said, I do think they should abolish the monarchy. It's without a doubt an outdated system and it seems essentially pointless and just for tradition at this point. They cost the UK a lot of money and I think our society as a whole needs to move beyond people being in a position of power just because of who they are born to and I guess what their birth rate is. And getting rid of the monarchy would be a way to do that. People say that the monarchy helps keep a state stable and acts as an apolitical body, but the UK is stable and I think that it would stay stable even if the monarchy ended. And we know that it's not necessarily true that the royal family is apolitical and that they do have some influence and they can sway parliament to work in their favor. Another argument people mention in support of the monarchy is the amount of tourism that it brings to the country, but I really don't see how that would change if the titles were stripped and the monarchy was gone because the palaces and the history would still be in place and it would still be visible and a draw for people. I don't see the monarchy ending in our lifetime, if I'm being honest, but it is really nice to see people talking about the pros and cons of it. But again, I don't realistically see it happening. Maybe things will change once Prince Charles becomes king because he doesn't have a very high approval rating, but I don't have too much confidence in it. Regardless, I think that it should be up to Commonwealth citizens to vote and really make that call for what they feel best represents them. What are your thoughts, Dell? So I am not in favor of abolishing the British royal family or the monarchy in general, especially not how it's structured. I definitely understand why people would be in favor of abolishing monarchies that have absolute 
power over everyone, but the type of constitutional monarchy that exists in the United Kingdom and across the rest of the Commonwealth, I think that it brings out the best of both worlds. I think that the monarchy is a great representative of the country, and I think that Queen Elizabeth II and her heir, Prince Charles, are definitely in the vein of the older style of the monarch. And I think that while right now it can seem really old fashioned, I think that things are going to change with the reign of William and definitely with Catherine by his side. I think that Catherine has done a lot to modernize the royal family. And I think that the closer she gets to the throne, the more her power and influence is going to be used to make sure that those necessary reforms happen within the royal family. I wish that Harry and Meghan were able to be an active part of this process, but I do trust that Catherine will be able to make the right decisions. Definitely seem like she has a great head on her shoulders. When you have someone like Catherine, the last thing that I would do is strip someone like that of the power that she has to affect real change, not just in the United Kingdom, but across the Commonwealth and the world. Do you think that title of king and queen is more important to their power and their influence than just having status? Because if the monarchy was abolished tomorrow, they would still be high profile, powerful people with status that a lot of, you know, the world respected still. So while yes, they would still be high profile people and they would still have a certain level of power, a lot of their ability to affect change comes from that institutional power that they have. And that institutional power is invested in the royal family. And I think just to add something on, because their power comes from being a part of the royal family and being held accountable in a lot of ways to the public, they are incentivized to make sure that everything they do is in service to the people. If you take away their royal status and make them equal citizens to everyone else, well, now they're just private individuals. Now they're no different than Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. They're no different. That's an interesting point you make about them just kind of like being any other rich person because that's an argument I've seen as to why people aren't really into the royal family anymore because in addition to it just feeling like separate families, a lot of people feel like they're just celebrities now. I guess they aren't like the queen. They don't represent as much as the queen does, which I feel like is, you know, kind of an unavoidable thing with the changing of the times, you know, and I'm sure social media and the tabloids do have a factor um, to play in that. So I think that comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of the royal family. Do they have more prominence now than they had in the past? Well, of course, you have social media and you have different ways of getting out information. But their celebrity status does not take away from the work that they're doing. They do a lot of work. The queen does something like 305 engagements a year. And as time goes on, Prince Charles, Prince William, Catherine are going to be doing more of those as well. And these aren't them going to Goldman Sachs and giving a speech for $250,000. This is them going to different hospitals. A lot of the times when people criticize the fact that they're on social media, I'm guessing that they've never looked at their social media pages because you constantly see 
all of the working members of the royal family actually on the ground meeting people, talking to them, hearing their stories, hearing how their lives have been affected by something, and then the royals actually taking that and trying to make a change. For example, how they championed organizations that responded to the COVID-19 pandemic how they have championed different mental health causes. That's definitely been something that is very important to Prince William and Catherine. How they have championed causes related to food insecurity, housing insecurity, and a litany of other things. So I think that we shouldn't reduce them down to just being celebrities who like to get their pictures taken. They do so much more. That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about Meghan and Harry and their relationship to the royal family. Make sure you click the subscribe button. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube every Wednesday with a new episode. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Corruption Cocktails and on Twitter at Charade Inc. Please consider donating to our Patreon. This will help us get better equipment and bring higher quality content to you. We appreciate any amount you are able to give. This is Jenny and Dell signing off. Stay safe.